0: This is Sci Fi Talk, the podcast on how science fiction, horror, fantasy, and comics help us explore our humanity.
1: Hi, welcome to Sci Fi Talk. This is Tony Tolato. And today we're going to talk about Evermore. And it combines a lot of things that I really love. First of all, there's steampunk and also alternate universes. And for me, that's definitely going to get me on board to watch. And recently, it's, it's, By the great company Legion M. It's fan owned. And what's great about it is they've announced that Andrew Cosby, who you remember from creating, uh, co creating Eureka, and also he has written the screenplay for Hellboy, is going to be the showrunner. And today we have uh, a few folks that are also involved Terry Lubaroff, who is the Legion M COO. And we also have. Eric Feige, and also Taya Kotler, who are Legion M members, and also the co creator So welcome you all to Sci-Fi Talk. Really excited to talk about this.
2: Thank you so Thank much, you Tony. Tony. Thank Here's you. So to be here. The,
1: the, this is a really interesting story. This whole thing was really inspired by a sculpture. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. Yep, yeah, by a uh, sculpture park uh, near Madison, Wisconsin. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Well, one of my favorite states, uh, for uh, reasons of my favorite football team. But, uh, but that's awesome. That is more sci-fi talk. Só so stay tuned. The story that Mr. Cosby is going to walk into, there's pretty much a template kind of set down. Is that right? And this is open for all of you to answer.
2: Eric, yeah. you should probably tell the whole story of how this all came to be. And maybe try yeah. to talk about her dad's sculpture. Yeah,
1: absolu- absolutely.
3: Absolutely. So yeah, it's a it's a, a fully fleshed out story based on the so Twy's family and her father created this art park and there's literally hundreds of sculptures. But the primary one being a Forevertron, and there's actually a storyline that surrounds all of those sculptures as well. And, and Twy, I can talk to more more about those. For me, nice. I had I had seen the sculpture park back in high school because I grew up 15 miles away from it. And it was one of those uh, spring days that I hope are coming very soon as I look out the window. And it's frozen outside right now. I hope spring comes soon. It was like back in 1990. Oh yeah. And um, my friends and I, we were in high school and we are actually going to go get parts to build soapbox cars because I think we were just literally that bored. And Mm. there's a Delaney surplus store and we were there getting parts and my best friend Andy and I walked in back and it was just one of those kind of eureka moments not to to, uh, you know, <laughs> symbolism there from, from, uh, from Andrew's TV show. And there's this unbelievable sculpture, the Forevertron, and all the accompanying pieces that support it. And it was just one of those amazing moments that you never forget. And then flash forward Damn. to college, college. And I'm in, in Wisconsin, I'm going to UW Madison. And I was had a documentary film class that did documentary about this Dr. Evermore. And um, building all of these sculptures over the course of 30 plus years, actually starting in, I think, 82. Um, and then I move out to Los Angeles. I kind of worked in Hollywood a little bit for about three years. And then went. basically, I've been in the Air Force for the last 20 years. So I went going went to back to work for the Air Force. Mm. And in 2016, mm. we decided to move back to Wisconsin. And <laughs> randomly, um, our bank assigns a realtor to us, and it's Twaia. <laughs> And she, she loves this, uh, the banter between my wife and I, and we wrote a letter to the sellers of the house introducing ourselves. And she liked that letter and she knew that I did writing and she approached me at the closing of the, of the sale of the house and slides over this envelope. And she's like, you remember that writing project? Mm-hmm. I kind of mentioned to you a while ago. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. And, and she's like, oh, don't, open, don't open this envelope right now. You don't have to, but um, I'm like, oh, I'll open it. And I take out this picture. And she's like, do you know what that is? I'm like, Oh yeah, that's the forever Tron I remember that from high school. And then from college, she was, well, that's my dad. And I just wanted to see if you wanted to write uh, a TV show, a book, a film, something about the Forevertron. I took a little time to think about it. And flash forward, I said, absolutely, yes. And I was going back and forth between California and Wisconsin for a book project for the Air Force. And uh, the other co-creator, mm. Perry, worked in the office with me. And he would written some young adult books called the Child of Atlantis series, um, sci-fi young adult books. And so I knew he could write and I asked, and he threw out these amazing ideas. I was bouncing ideas off for the Evermore project with him. and finally, I was like, do you just want to join me on writing this? And so we started just writing the project back in the 2016. And then um, and obviously Twyla mm-hmm. was helping with us with the project along that, that whole development process, talking about her family and, and all the storylines that, that go with the art and actually help. I'll stop talking if I talk too much, and and I can talk a little bit more about <laughs> the the mm-hmm. the art part, the art park itself, and how these amazing art pieces and the storylines behind them really influenced the the TV show itself, and and how all the three of us wow. got our minds together and and helped create this. Because I think it might be the only TV show that at least that I know of that's been based on art um, and an art, yeah. art. In in this kind of in this kind of vein, I think there's been storylines and TV shows that involved art, but this one really draws inspiration from an actual lead, living, breathing art park. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: I can tell you a little bit about the Forever if you want me to kind of go into yeah, please. The Forever Tron, which is the main attraction in the sculpture park, uh, was uh, uh, completed around 1983. It took about uh, my dad says about three years to complete it. And he was, he had been in the industrial wrecking business for over 30 some years, um, demoing uh, factories, breweries, um, things of that nature. And during that time, he would collect a lot of materials from those projects that he felt were, other people might feel were junk, but he liked. And so um, during, during that time of collecting, well, he hoarded hundreds of thousands of pounds of, of metals. And so wow. the Forever actually was touted as being one of the world's largest scrap metal sculptures in the entire world. And he did make the Guinness Book of World Records at one time. I think that they might he yeah. might have got beat out by now. But anyways, um so it weighs um about 500,000 pounds. It's about 120 feet long. It's about 60 feet wide. I, I think it's around wow. maybe almost three stories. I'm not sure. But What's really exciting about it is there's a lot of historical components in it. And so, one of the main Mm -hmm. parts of it is a decontamination chamber that apparently had been a part of Apollo, one of the Apollo missions. And my dad had acquired (laughs) it from the University of Wisconsin in Madison. I don't know how they get things, you know, at UW Madison, but (laughs) they must have acquired it to, they wanted to test cows in it or something like that. I, I have no idea. But um, so when you look at it, though, it, it has, um, <laughs> it's got that, you've got this uh, amazing egg um, that, that Dr. Evermore uses to do his traveling in. And so this is kind of a, it's a, a glass ball inside a copper egg. And then there are these like laser things that point up towards that. And so he wanted to propel himself back into the heavens on a magnetic lightning force beam inside that glass ball inside that copper egg. Um, that was what his goal was. The storylines for the TV show um, will be a little bit different than that, but that was the original idea when my dad was building it. And then there is a gazebo on one end of the sculpture that would be for the Queen, um, the queen and Prince Albert. So I think it was Queen Victoria and Prince Albert would be watching from there. <laughs> and then there's a, a large telescope on the other end, which was created for the Doubting Thomases to watch. Um, there are other sculptures in the park, such as a, a machine called the Graviton, which is actually one of my favorite pieces because it looks kind of like something Frankenstein would be in. Um, <laughs> it has, it was an old x-ray machine that was used uh, for x-raying people's feet, And apparently it had a, it had been something that would cause cancer. And so it wasn't, he got it from mm. a doctor that said never use this ever, this, you know, and so it was, you know, he can't, it, it was a Deconstructed and not you can't hook it up and use it actually but anyways it it really added to this cool effect of having this Like glass piece go up and down and the idea behind the graviton is that dr. Evermore will be able to uh, remove the water out of his body so he could shrink down in size to be able to get inside that glass ball That's inside the copper egg Um, but there are also a lot of sculptures that are um, that are just supporting in the sense like there's a large bird band. And I, I think there are around 30 large birds that incorporate musical instruments. One of the tallest birds is the cello bird. And that one is about <laughs> stories. high. I think that one is, um, wow. yeah, stainless steel. um, there is a device called the celestial listening ears, which is super cool. I've been wanting Elon Musk to come out to the park. I don't know if you have any listeners out there that can get Elon Musk to Back a park, we would love that because this orange device has it's it, it was designed to be able to listen to the signals from Mars and pick up any type oh, wow. of communications with that. And then there's this other device called the master control unit, which controls the Forever Chon. And so the the celestial listening ears works in conjunction with the master control unit for the Forever Chon to be able to make its travels. With proper coordinates and things like that. So, but there's there's another spaceship there that's that's awesome as well. It's uh, it's actually used for extraterrestrials to travel with, versus um, versus humans. But um, I there's about five acres actually um, that are five wow. acres of land that have all these sculptures. So it's a real exciting place for people to come and visit, especially um, people from foreign from other countries that don't get the chance to see a lot of the materials that that are incorporated into this art yeah so um yeah so i don't know if that kind of gives you an idea a little bit of what yeah. was, of small sculptures as well um really fun place to be
3: where twy talks about all those different storylines and describes all the art pieces um you know and in her her dad who took on the persona of dr evermore um to create all these pieces and the storylines behind that and incorporating himself in that storyline so that's where our Evermore story for the TV show takes its inspiration and kind of blasts off it. And that's a figure of speech, but her dad would blast off in the heavens, a magnetic force lightning beam for the TV show. We kind of changed that around a little bit and imagine him instead of blasting off in the heavens, what happens if Dr. Evermore blasted off into the multiverse and mm-hmm. what, happens nice. what happens if Dr. Evermore wasn't a man, one of the Dr. Evermore was a woman. Um, so we, and now mm-hmm. there's a whole Evermore family. And so what we did was um I give be the log line. It's um, orphan teenage twins, Ellie and Sam yes. are sent to live to live at the estate of their eccentric aunt, Dr. Catherine Evermore. Uh, there they discover a wondrous machine called the forever tram that allows them to journey through the multiverse and the alternate earths within finding danger, love, family, and the limitless potential of the human adventure and their ultimate destinies. So we took the heart of what Twy's dad and her family created and just kind of expanded that storyline. And within even our pilot episode, the actual art from the art park is incorporated into the show itself. So um, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It it really is. You know, I think it's an amazing project.
1: And I believe we have Terry Covington now with us. Is that yeah. right, Terry? Hi everybody, how are you doing? Yeah, that's right. I am so sorry, everybody. I'm here. <laughs> that's okay. So, I, I mean, you're the co-writer. So, um, I mean, it's a really unique way to, to, you know, inspiration for a story. So, how was it like to kind of take a real-life place and kind of write a story about it? Well, you know,
4: for me and Eric, I, I think what our main concern was to make sure that we paid homage to the stuff that tom was put that he put together with his work and the sculptures and all the narratives that he put together so we were very cognizant you know while we were creating the story to make sure that we were respectful to the source material like any good creator should be obviously um but the beauty of it yeah. is that we had this 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 wide canvas to play with you know it was a playground for mm. us really creatively because there was so much that we could pull from and and go from so you know, all the different sculptures, and whenever we came into a situation where we needed some inspiration or we came, you know, got the old writer's block, all we had to do was look back at the park, look back at the narratives and the sculptures and just sit there and stare sometimes at these things and the inspiration would just come. So, I mean, honestly, it was, it was more, um, more of like a, a plus for us as creators because we had to, we had this place to go to just in case things weren't working out in the narrative for us. So, honestly, besides paying respect to what everything that that Tom did with the, with the park, um, it was just an amazing experience because we got to kind of go crazy with this narrative, but at the same time, have all that inspiration backing us up. So it was great. The entire
3: experience for me, especially, it's been just so much fun. You know, so much of what we see today, and it's not necessarily a negative thing is based on a book. Um, uh, right. You know, some other, some other IP, a video game that already has these really kind of built-in storylines it doesn't mean they change um and this one has a, a small storyline to it but it's the art itself and yep. the, the kind of like the inspiration and the magic that within it that you can look at that as a writer and just go you can you almost hear the voices in your head not to sound crazy yep. but you know you look at this piece of art you look at forever trying to look at the gravitron you look at uh the celestial listening or you look at you look at the bird band and you're not bound by mm-hmm. some other writer who wrote about that and says, this is what happens here. You look at that and you, and you see, and kind of feel like what, what is this story? How, where can I take this? And you have this kind of amazing freedom to be able to do that. And, and what does that look like? And it, it's, it's just been an amazing experience.
1: Cool. All right. Why don't we take a short break and we'll be back on sci-fi talk, talking about an exciting steampunk series that is being worked on called Evermore. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Tony Tolado, reminding you to help me out by taking the Sci-Fi Talk survey. Yes, you might be hearing some commercials on my podcast now, but this survey will help to get more sponsors. The main reason why I'm talking to you is really to keep us going and to keep us going for years to come. So it's very easy. You just go to survey.libsyn.com forward slash sci-fi talk and you just go there and complete the survey it's actually extremely painless it's only one page and it just has your email address your gender age and a few other questions and it's really not that much hit the complete survey button and you're all done and that's it hope you all visit survey.libsyn.com forward slash sci-fi talk i'll be eternally grateful find your lack of faith disturbing we're back on sci-fi talk and we are back with eric Figgy and also terry Lo- loberoff and also we have uh, terry covington and uh, and oh god I'm, i I got I so many names <laughs> to get but i messed it up and uh, and also taya taya i'm sorry i forgot your
0: it's, it's Taya Taya Taya. No worries at all. I answered it just about anything.
1: Taya, Taya, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <But that's good. laughs> yes, Taya Cotler. All right. So, uh, Terry, kind of tell us about uh, Legion M's uh, involvement and great concept. But now you got to make this into a series. And I is this? I guess you're aiming for television
2: um yeah but television these days could could mean uh, a lot of different things anything Um, yeah (laughs) yeah which is really exciting as a um, as a producer and as a seller into the marketplace we have so many places we could go with this now um you know every everywhere from netflix to the sci-fi network to traditional you know television nbc and and such um But for Legion M, we're we're kind of a unique company. Um, We're the world's first fan-owned entertainment company. And what
5: that Mm, means is that we're
2: our company from the ground up to be owned by fans. And we took advantage of new equity crowdfunding laws that went into effect in 2016 to allow unaccredited investors to invest in startups for the first time since the Great Depression and it really wow. opens up a huge um, segment of our economy to investors that ha- has traditionally been reserved for the mega rich or for um, institutional investors. So we have um, about 15,000 investors and about 70,000 members at this point in Legion M. and. Tawaya and Perry happened to be at San Diego Comic Con. Um, this was ah. 2017. I-, I go every year. I always speak on panels. I'm a huge nerd at heart and was there representing Legion mm-hmm. M and happened to be on a um, comic book law school panel with my friend uh, Michael Lovitz. And he said, I have to introduce you to these amazing creators who have a really good idea i think legion m could, should consider and i you know when you're working for a studio or a development company and um, you're buying projects and thinking about producing you get thousands of submissions every year so i take everything with a big grain of salt but i got to meet them and they were so wonderful and personable and the idea sounded interesting and Michael said, no, no, no. You really have to pay attention to this. It's really good. Um, And when I finally sat down and read the first draft of the script, because they had written a spec script on the idea, literally I couldn't even get through it. I was so excited. I put it down halfway through, picked up the phone, and called them and said, how can we get involved? This is amazing, and it's exactly the, the type of project that Legion M should be doing. It's a four-quadrant show. It's for the entire family to watch together. Um, And the scenes and the visuals are exciting. They're things you've never seen before on television. And uh, speaking for Legion M, super excited about that. And the fact that they're Legion M members and investors makes it all that much sweeter.
1: Yeah, there you go. There is more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Mm -hmm. So the script is written, has... uh, have uh, have you guys kind of uh, come up with any ideas as to the look of the series and what, I mean, besides uh, some of the artwork I've seen, like some of the worlds are going to be traveling, or are you waiting for Mr. Cosby to, to come on board and get involved with that part of it?
2: I'm going to brag about you guys for a second, Karian. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
2: brag about you as a development executive. Um, this is what's so great about Carrie and Eric and Faya. They have created a Bible for this series that is so well fleshed out. Um, even before we went out to get a showrunner on the on the project, every single world is fleshed out. Every character has a backstory, and they created a lookbook. and I I feel like um, it it's like it's been packaged with a bow and wrapped up and presented to. Andrew and I, to then go birth it to the world. Like, they've they've done all the hard work already, and it's amazing.
1: Wow. So that must have okay. taken you guys quite some time to do all that.
2: Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit.
3: <laughs> we, had, um, we had had probably, like, a, I, what I think most series Bible lengths are, and Terry can correct me if I'm wrong, which is probably like 15 to 20 pages. We kind of had a, a, a loose one with that as we were writing the, the pilot. Um, and then Terry came back and said, hey, why don't you guys, you know, kind of beef this thing up, add some more stuff to it. And I was literally finished up my book project with the Air Force Reserves, which is where Perry and I worked together out in California and was transitioning to a full-time job here at the Wisconsin International Guard Unit. And I had about a month. And so I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to take a look at this Bible. And as a historian, I think I was probably like, probably put in more than I needed to, but it's such an amazing story and there's so many ways you can go with it. And and just the, the worlds that we're going to see are are just unlike anything you've ever seen before. And so I I really just got really super excited about it. And Perry, you know, gave me so many great ideas and and Perry covered a lot of the worlds as well as we wrote the Bible. And I just had this break in time for a month and I was able to knock out a lot of stuff. And um, yeah, you know, imagine going to a, a steampunk world um, where the British empire never waned in power. You know, what would that look like? Yeah. There's other po- powers that exist just like um, on our earth, you know, right now at this point, Western civilization is still the, the dominant kind of civilization as, as however you want to look at it. But there's other powers within the world that are buying it. That's there, China, Russia. So all these worlds we go to, it's a similar dichotomy and balance there. It's just, A different point of view the British Empire um, you know a world called Gaia where the Spartans never never went away basically and so you're able to take history and kind of change it up a little bit but still remain truthful things that may have happened because it you Mm -hmm. know in the multiverse there's there's an infinite number of possibilities Um, we're not going to go to an infinite number of worlds we're only going to go to a set amount right but it it adds and I always like to go back to this um, a, a phrase that when um, Legion M put on a screening of The Shape of Water, uh, that's actually before the Oscars, I think it was in December before the Oscars, um, and Guillermo del Toro talked at that afterwards, and he talked about giving voice to the other nice. in that film. And I think that's something that Evermore really captures is when you go to all these different earths, it, it says to the audience, here, this is something different that how things could evolve differently and it gives voice to cultures on our planet right now. Aud- basically the audience watching it going, um, you know, if I'm a, a Native American, I might be able to see a world where, I'm, where that culture is the dominant one on that earth. Um, it just, it presents a multitude of opportunities for the audience to find a connection and to find a voice that he spoke to in the shape of water.
1: Yeah, abs- absolutely. That's um, the the possibilities are. I mean, it's going to be hard to run out of material. I mean, it's pretty much whatever <laughs> you can think up. Uh, using history as a guide, you can certainly change things around and uh I mean, you know, what if the Roman Empire never fell? I mean, although Star Trek did that, right. but but um uh, right. <laughs> but uh, that's something you could you something you could visit uh, and revisit. So, it's really amazing and and I'm sure you know, you can uh you can even do like a long story arc with one if, if it's really, really interesting and there's a lot of story to tell. So there's no limitations and that's the beauty of it. That sounds great. It really does sound like a great idea. And I love steampunk. I really do. It's, uh, you know, I, it's such a great uh, you know, offshoot of sci-fi. And uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of a Jules Verne fan from years ago and I kind of call him the father of steampunk, really but uh but yeah it's going to be fun to see that again and uh, and to see what looks you guys come up with too uh so the the actual sculpture is actually the basis for the uh for the machine itself
3: that's correct that's correct yeah
1: yes mm-hmm. well did you guys take plenty of pictures for the for eventual production design and that kind of thing
3: oh yes sir yeah we've got oh. lots of pictures <laughs> Yeah, tons of pictures. I, I even had the opportunity
4: to go and fly out to Wisconsin a couple of times now and visit the park and just be inspired by just by being there. You know, I, you know, where we were talking about earlier about the inspiration portion of it, you know, you hear a lot of people comment on art, you know, that, that this art really speaks to me and it sounds little pretentious, but um, honestly, uh, it, that's really what happened with, with the, the stuff at the park. The the, the pieces really do yeah. speak to you in a way that just, that just create images and and stories in your head without even knowing anything about them. It's that inspiring.
5: Right.
4: Uh, and you know, I, we've, I've heard stories of twice told that so, you know people with disabilities have gone there and have had a, a very moving experience. There's something special and magical about that place, and you really can't put your finger mm. on it, but you just want to be involved with it. You know, you want to just soak it up, and that's what we had the opportunity to do, and then you know, take that energy and kind of push it out into the universe to to, to make this show. So that's a very, very unique
3: experience.
1: So kind of tell us a little bit about the twins, Ellie and Sam, and the kind of people they are. And this is open to everyone, of course.
3: Sure. Um, I'll, go first. I'll take uh, I'll take Ellie. So she's kind of a, a little bit broken after the, the death of her parents. She's um, kind of carried everything inside. She's very cautious, very guarded, very untrusting, um, which when she goes to live at the estate of her aunt Catherine along with her brother, Sam, um, you know, those things definitely come out because there's a, a rip, there's a, you know, there's a, a tenuous relationship with her and Catherine as well. Just right off the bat, there's conflict between both of them as, you know, Ellie being 15 and, and Catherine being an adult figure, you might run into that type of thing. So there's, there's that aspect of the family dynamic there, the, um, the teenage um, dynamics as well of just trying to discover yourself. And one thing that's really cool with, with both twins and uh, is we get a lot of adult stories told through the eyes of adolescents and, and much like you kind of got in, in Harry Potter where, you know, it starts out a lighter, but as a series moves along, they're very, they're adult themes they're adult stories that these kids are forced to, to confront um, to through no fault of their own. And that's, kind of what Ellie and Sam mm-hmm. face, and, um,
5: mm-hmm.
3: you know, you can't get into too much of the, how, they, how they arc and how they change, but um, sure. Ellie definitely is one that, you know, find her true strength as the series goes on. And then
4: conversely, Sam, you know, he's one of those characters where he views himself as the protector, um, that he has to watch over his sister and be the strong one. Um, and outwardly, he seems fine. You know, he's the popular guy in school. He's the jock. He's great at hockey. Um, he blends in well with the crowds and, and can make friends easily. He's not, he's not dark and foreboding um, on the outside. Um, but at the same yeah. time, the, the vulnerability he actually feels um, from losing his parents and the sadness that he's dealing with um, really will really speak to his character later on. So you almost see um, a change of, of the characters as they move along, where you see, you know, Sam being the strong and protecting one. And as time moves forward, you know, you, you see these, these dynamics evolve and change. Um, and so, you know, you have this character, Sam, who's, who seems like a normal, you know, kind of uh, shallow almost character at the very beginning because he's this jockey's pocket. What problems does he have? Um, then you realize that he is dealing with some very deep things and he's having to deal with those things emotionally and figuring his way out in the world. So um, again, the whole hero's nice. journey, the teenage angst, all that stuff is mixed in um, with these two twins and how they deal with it separately. And you would think, you know, as twins, that they would share the, these emotions and share the, these experiences exactly the same way, but that's not the way human beings are, obviously. Oh, uh, you see Sam right. dealing with things in his own way.
1: And Dr. Catherine Evermore, what's she like? I think Terry should awesome. take that one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did you say Terry with a T or Perry with a P? <laughs> <is a> Terry,
3: <laughs> yes. because I because I know how much you love Catherine.
2: I do. I she is such a strong character. She's a person who's this kind of out of time, out, kind of out of place. has a Has a mission to complete. I guess is the best way to say it. But as a you know a female. Um, older lead in a television series. She's so strong. She reminds me of, a little of uh, Ripley from Aliens. Uh, you know, she's a little bit of Linda Hamilton, but she's also and Perry and Eric. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're the ones who wrote her. This is just how I see her. But she's she is um, someone who can make things happen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I
4: would I would agree with that. Yeah, she is definitely our, our one of our stronger characters both emotionally uh, and even physically at some point, she, you know, she has a knowledge of this multiverse and of these worlds that um, nobody really else has. She's, she's basically our Gandalf for, for all intents and purposes. You know, she's our, <laughs> she's our guide on the, on the hero's journey. You know, um, she is immensely powerful, but at the same time she has to care for her niece and nephew, they her family. So she, there's that vulnerability as well of being uh, being the person that has to watch out for these kids. Um, So she's a dynamic character because her backstory, uh, which you'll find out as the the season progresses or the series progresses, is um, It's very it's very sad, you know when you look at it and she has to come from this place of sadness and loss and still rise to the occasion of leading these kids and showing them the way to help, you know, to help them solve their issues and problems. So um, very dynamic character and I just I love badass female characters. I don't know what it is. Um, I, I have, you know, three sisters <laughs> and three daughters, and um, I, I'm surrounded by powerful, wonderful women every day. And for, to see, be, see that on
3: screen is going to be just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to see that happen. So it's pretty exciting. What I love about Catherine the most, too, is that she has to do all these things, but she also carries with her a crippling guilt. It's a testament. Will she rise, will she be, you know, rise up over that guilt? You know, that, that kind of the mantra of, you know, mm-hmm can she pick herself up when she falls type of thing? And she, she, yeah. what she faces and from her past is, is pretty profound. Um, but that's, that's what makes great characters is conflict. And that's what all these characters, I think the secondary characters have this amazing backstories and there's, there's conflict and there's drama between all of them that it's kind of like, you know, game of Thrones took a long time to set up all these different characters. But what was amazing is because you, they're also different and dynamic. You want to, when you, Went on half an episode with the Hound and uh, Arya, like that was okay because you yeah. set up those characters and you cared about them, and and that's a lot like not saying Evermore is like Game of Thrones, but it's that deepening of character that as an audience member you're like I I love this character I can watch them for 30 minutes even though I know the you know the great evil the White Walkers over here I, I care emotionally I'm tied this story in this moment right here. And that's what I, I know we have with mm. Evermore as well with all the characters that we have um, on our world and on the other worlds that you're gonna see as a series progressive. Um, and I just wanna add one thing too, talking about inspiration that Perry was referring to with, with when he came to Wisconsin. Um, it's not just the art too, it's, it's Twia and her family and and her dad that are also inspirational. And her dad's 80, 80 right Twya?
0: Yes, he just turned 80 in September.
3: Yeah. And, and oh, he's a, nurse, a nursing home for, for a few years now, mm. and he still creates art in um, <laughs> yeah. uh. that nursing home and, and drawings. And Perry and I went to visit with him, and, and literally on the drive back to my house, you know, we came up with, and we hope it'll stay like this. We're, we're realistic. You know. Sometimes endings don't always work out the way you think they were in, in, a, in a story and in TV, but we really have a good, solid idea of how we want the show to end just from the inspiration we drew from meeting with her father
1: with that one day yeah nice Absolutely. yeah well that's, that's fantastic. fantastic yeah
2: i haven't had a chance to meet him yet or or visit um the art park in person and sitting here listening to you guys i realize i i really have to plan a trip to wisconsin like <laughs> yeah. we'd love to
0: see you for sure
1: <laughs> don't come
3: now it's too cold
0: yeah
5: yeah no <laughs> oh, you're <yeah>, not now <laughs> <laughs>
1: not now well when i get up there to see a certain football team i think i might have to uh visit the sculpture garden too i think it sounds absolutely amazing and and i know my wife would love it too so uh she's a fan also and she it would just she loves really cool places and this sounds like one of them and i'm hoping that it turns into a, like a major tourist attraction uh, as a result of this series that would be a nice little uh a nice little thing you even have conventions up there and and Every more conventions, you never know.
5: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. Sounds like amazing. Fun.
3: Yeah. But I said, it's funny that you, you say that because there are plans in the works to, to hopefully move the park to uh, Wisconsin Dells. Um, and it's, it's still very early in the process, but that would create, yeah. the, the, the Dells gets about just under 5 million tourists a year. Um, mm-hmm. And they've got this. Yeah. It's Kevin Kevin and Karina Ricks are kind of spearheading this project along with Twyla and a family um, to move the park there, set it near an absolutely beautiful spot um, along the river nice. and had the sculpture mm. park along with natural art um, mm-hmm. and just it, these hiking trails. And it's, it, it, I've seen uh. pictures of what they, what they plan to do and it's actually breathtaking. And the other end of that too, is they want to turn the entire downtown Wisconsin Dells into a steampunk aesthetic. So when you talk about oh, nice. things along those lines, those lines, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to create a world-renowned arts destination with the Forevertron and all the accompanying art that the family created as that anchor point to bring people in. Um, and uh, the plans that they've drawn up and where they're at, and it's just the early stages. It's just, it's just amazing. And it, it's one of those things where when the TV show goes and the park goes, it's it's going to be spectacular. It
1: really is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, It sure sounds like it's. It, it'll only be about three hours drive from Green Bay. Just, just, just to give you a little.
1: That's that's it's doable. It's doable, especially in the nicer yeah. weather. It's certainly doable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I definitely am going to head back there. So that, that'll be mm-hmm. fun. Well, I am totally impressed by this and i uh, i can't wait to see this and um, you know i think in closing terry i just uh, terry Luberoff, i just really want to say that what legion m is doing is uh, amazing and the fact that it is fan owned it's so important uh you know there's there's a disconnect sometimes between networks and and other venues that produce content these days and uh, to have something that connected, I think, is very, very important these days.
2: Oh, thank you, Tony. That's amazing. Yeah, we feel the same way. We're—I feel like we're just getting started.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot to there's a lot to do yet. Absolutely. I do want to thank you all for being here, Tyba Cotier and her father for the inspiration for this series, and really uh, Perry Covington and Mike Figgy for their uh, tireless work in fleshing the world out. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Terry uh, Luberoff for really, and the folks at Legion M for really making this happen. And Andrew Cosby being involved, man, that's, that's, he's a damn good writer. I can't wait to see what he did with Hellboy, but everything looks really cool there too. And of course, big fan of Eureka. So it is a recipe for success for you all. So best of luck with this.
2: Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank, Thank you, you much, Tony. Thank you
1: for having us on. It's a pleasure. I'd love to have you all back as things materialize a little more. It's nice to kind of be involved watching the whole process come to light. So we have an open invitation to come back. Absolutely. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank
1: you. Thanks. All right anytime and thank you all for listening to sci-fi talk this is Tony Talato keep an ear and an eye out forevermore and that looks like a really cool steampunk series oh man I love steampunk and the alternate worlds that can't can't lose I mean that's a that's a great combination until next time take care everyone
5: hi I'm Lavar Burton and you're listening